All right, what's up, guys? We're back. How are you guys doing today? Good, man. How about yourself? Can't complain. Good, good. All right, so let's just jump right in. Um, we got a lot of stuff going on in the last few days. We've had Bitcoin uh, go up from the um, low to mid 30s up to bumping up against $40,000. Right now, we're sitting at just under $40,000. And we're starting to get some pretty crazy headlines coming through. So we're going to jump into that right now. Um, but yeah, any thoughts on Bitcoin at 40,000? Oh, let's do this real quick. When we left off last week, we all gave predictions. I know I was wrong. I was wrong. I haven't been that called out ever, Tyler. So yeah, so what? Where? Are, I mean, did, did Tyler? Were you right? Did we get it? Did you get it right? Yeah, dude. <laughs> I mean, it. I didn't think it was going to happen that fast, but yeah, like it, it it went above forty, it got to like forty one, and then now we're. I was telling Ro before we hopped on that I think I think we're going back down to like thirty three, thirty two, um, and. I think it was just a. I think it was just a, uh, a like a bull trap and a bear squeeze. So like, the chart I'm looking at has me right, but the Binance has everybody wrong. Binance went up to 48k, and the Wolf of Wall Street, the the, the move, he was on Binance. Jordan Belfort, he was on Binance short, and that's why I went up to 48k on Binance is because it had to go up there to liquidate him. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. It happened quickly. I mean, it, it really, that move was significant. Um, it also happened pretty much like uh, right after the B word conference. I mean, you give it a few days and I mean that, um, you know, if, if, if institutions or companies or some big, some big fish were watching, uh, you might've had some, some confidence get built from that. What do you guys think about that theory? The way I view that is like, it was so obvious that generally that that sort of stuff is like primarily retail driven, uh, the Bitcoin conference, for instance, um, that I would expect a move like that to be like a, a easily faded. You know, you might get this really small pop um, initially where a lot of retail buy into, and then that gets, that gets faded, which is why I was bearish. Um, but that's, I mean, that was just like a game of psyops right there. Um, just like straight, like conning the con or, or like fading the fade essentially. Um, and so you got this really big blow off uh, or squeeze, I would say up to 48 at Binance, which is crazy, but everywhere else it, it barely tapped 40, right? It kind of got around 40. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of agree with Tyler. Um, I do expect some bearishness now. Uh, we're still in the middle of like a, a relatively large daily range. Um, when we got that crash back in May to uh, May 21st or so. Um, but yeah, no, I would say right now expect some bearishness, but it's a little bit too early to tell um, uh, if the bear trend is over. But I would say if we can print a higher low around 35-ish, you know, that's a pretty solid, uh, solid place to really establish position if you're not in already. 
Yeah. I, and I, going back to what Rushi said, I think that I think it did inspire a lot of confidence, you know, and I think that that was kind of I mean, I think that's what the move was for. Right. Like it liquidated a lot of bears. It took leverage out of the system. But like this paired with all of the bad news that's going to be coming out over the next couple of like weeks and months and like some that we're going to touch on here shortly is only bad news for people that already hold Bitcoin. It's only bad news for people that are already in the space. It's not bad news for people who are coming in and are already fully reporting everything that they're doing. It's like now you're telling those people that like we're going to be able to like you're, you're going to be able to actually fund the projects you want through using this as an asset versus cash. Right. Because well, we can get into it, but, but, but basically I think it did bring a lot of attention from, from big people. And I think that's what's going to give us this next support that we, that we need to, to keep us from really like crashing again. Yeah. I think um, <clears throat> there's no question about Elon Musk, Jack Dorsey, uh, Kathy Wood, and just the general circle that affiliates with them, whether it be just in circles of influence or, you know, truly kind of like the, the friend circles and, and the power circles and stuff like that. Um, there's no question about the bullishness going forward. They made some pretty uh, permanent statements that cannot be walked back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, just take Elon, for example, whether you agree with him or disagree with him, he's holding Doge, Ethereum and Bitcoin. And, and he's holding stock in uh, Tesla as his only publicly traded holding. And he's holding a significant uh, share of SpaceX in the private, you know, private markets. Um, and that SpaceX and Tesla both hold Bitcoin. I mean, really, like what you, you can't walk that back. You can't see him. Uh, I mean, he would have to discredit himself to come along within six months or a year or a year and a half and say, well, I don't know about Ethereum anymore, you know? Um, so I think that like, there's a lot of, uh, personal commitments that were made. I did go back and rewatch that by the way. And, um, I think that for a retail investor, yeah. Uh, I think they were absolutely watching, um, like that, like, like you mentioned Roth. And I think that, I think there was a lot of, uh, you know, if you're, if you're a corporate entity or you're in a CEO of a company and you're looking at the way that the world is going and you've got big players that control big balance sheets that are saying, this is what we're going to be doing. And that qualifies as forward looking statements, SEC regulated type of statements It's murky waters. Right. But you got to take that as, okay, there's no turning back now. Um, and so I think that the B word conference in itself was kind of like, yeah, it's a marketing psychological event, but some significant permanent stuff came out of that. Um, and uh, anyway, so yeah, let's dig into some of the more current stuff. Uh, we actually had some headlines come across our noses when we were getting ready for this call. So uh, this will be probably a little bit of digging around while we pull it up. But yeah, do we want to get into that, Tyler? You want to you want to kick us off with what you're saying? Yeah. So there is a new infrastructure bill that is is trying to get passed right now, and they just added on a um a rider to the bill that is is trying to use cryptocurrency and regulate cryptocurrency and use that regulation as a means 
to help help fund some of these infrastructure spendings. Um, and what they're trying to do is they're already trying to, to get it to where digital asset transfers used as cash payments above $10,000 have to be reported. Um, that, that's something that they're trying to get passed in the bill. But the other thing they're trying to get passed in the bill is the regulation of all crypto exchanges um, and all, let me, let me read the jargon. Um, According to a draft of the copy of the bill shared by Coindesk, any broker that transfers any digital asset would need to file a return under a modified information reporting regime. The draft defined digital assets as any digital representation of value report recorded on a cryptographically secured distributed ledger. So basically anyone that transfers value over a secured distributed ledger is going to need to file a return um, and register as a broker. And that kind of goes along with some of the other things that I've seen that is saying that uh, anyone that manages their own, um, like my Ather wallet or like uh, their own um, type of wallet, they have to have a, a VASP, um, a virtual asset, um, uh, it's, it's, it's losing me right now, but, but basically it's, it's not good. It, it's, it's the overregulation of an industry. Um, it's trying to, to, to make it to where normal people cannot participate um, unless they are just an input in the system. They can't actually be a, um, an actor. Um, I don't know. It's, it, it's going to bring a lot of money in. Cause it's kind of like we were talking about earlier, like stuff like this makes it to where banks and other industries that are already compliant with these type of things, they can just come right in. Um, but for, for the, the people that are driving the industry right now and developing the technology that all this stuff is built on top of, I mean, there's no way that they're going to be able to, to comply with all of these requests. They're going to end up having to, to take jobs at companies and it's really going to stifle innovation. Hmm. So the likelihood of something like this going through, um, you know, this is something that from what I'm understanding was just kind of thrown in at the end uh, to, to kind of be snuck through. And obviously, it was caught by the crypto community. Um, kind of, do you know where we are in terms of uh, what's what's happening? Um, you know, Coin Center is a, an advocacy group in DC. They're trying to fight this um, right now. The problem is, is Coin Center is not a charitable organization. They, like, they can't be set up as a charitable organization. So it's they don't get a lot of donations you know and that's they're they ran off of donations um and um it, it but it, it's hard to donate to them because you're essentially just giving money away um and there's no there's no incentive or benefit to you other than than just helping the space out but they're uh they're doing everything they can right now to try to fight this they're meeting with you know that lobbying several senators um and and trying to get this taken out but 
Um, it doesn't seem very hopeful. Um, I think this was well-timed, though, because I don't know if we mentioned this on our last call, but if any companies have bought Bitcoin in the last so many months, they would be having to report it in these next few weeks. And so I think this is just like ultra bad news to offset to offset any positive news that could be coming. So it, this is kind of, you know, um, this is almost like a, if we consider the series of FUD that we've just been bombarded with, right, as a market in general, we were sitting in the 60,000s at Bitcoin just a few months ago. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but maybe we we're talking about like May, I think pretty much before June started, uh, you know, we were riding 50, 60,000, um, and a Bitcoin dominance of 40, 42%, something like that, maybe 39% it got low as, um, but this is a pretty big, you know, China is still coming with the FUD, right? I mean, there's a lot of Chinese FUD. There's a lot of, you know, and it seems sustained, uh, but this is some pretty big FUD from U.S. markets and regulators, you know, and um, the the regulation environment, the uh, potential uh, what's coming, you know, what what happens when we have to protect the public and the IRS, the taxes, murky waters. Uh, this is a pretty big piece of FUD. Are we are we? I mean, are they bringing the bigger weapons out? Is that is this a continuation or are you looking at this differently? I mean, here's a quote. We interpret this to mean software wallet developers, hardware wallet manufacturers, multi-sig service providers, liquidity providers, DAO token holders, and potentially even miners. So they're trying to affect all of those uh, active parties uh, with with this legislation, with reporting and taxation that go that uh, that should equal up to thirty billion dollars of a new one trillion dollar infrastructure bill. So, uh, I mean, in a lot of ways, you know, you're you're creating industry. Um, you know, we're, you're creating a market for professional accountants, professional uh, legal formators. Um, you know, you're creating, you know, the, the SEC legislated into economic effect an entire industry for public accountants with Sarbanes-Oxley in what, 2002 or whatever, um, which went to protect investors from accounting fraud. And it, and it required the top corporations to be SEC compliant, which meant that, that they had to adhere to, uh, to Sarbanes-Oxley reporting standards. Um, Sarbanes-Oxley, you know, created a lot of regulation. It also cemented in a new and emerging industry. And now the big four accounting firms are very, very well known to be kind of in this triangle complex between regulators, the corporate entities, and then them as a trustworthy middleman. I could see the same type of thing, you know, coming on board to help with the crypto environment. If that happens, um, that will obviously be a huge adjustment, but it will also cement crypto into existing systems. Well, and I, I read this two days ago 
it was essentially what you were talking about is that basically miners or the companies that are operating mining equipment and developing smart contracts, they may have a fast track to getting these, these because they're so necessary. It was, it was miners and validators were the, were the two things that like could get fast tracked to getting um, special licenses or things like that because they already have this specific knowledge um, in regards to, to what we're doing. And so it's like, we're well positioned. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. Yeah. It's a, it's a very interesting and like, uh, this is a, a step towards legitimacy. Um, it's a, sometimes a painful step because you will, uh, leave some participants behind because they just don't want to play and, and these, they'll go to the next market. I go to the next thing that doesn't have this oversight because it's a different ballgame. You you have certain things that you have to um, you you have to uh, just accept as the reality of doing business that way. Uh, but the trade off for that is that um, there is something positive that's provided to you, and that's a safe place to play. Um, you can go to the authorities and say, "Hey, look, we've been doing things by the rules. We're licensed, and then this shit happened. Um, help us out." And that's, that's um, just kind of a different different approach. It requires a, a maturing of processes, a maturing of parties, participants, and also just uh, the way that you look at what this is. And mining is going to be powering the whole world in one way or another. You know, the blockchain, the incentive system, uh, proof of stake as, as a part of the same argument. Uh, that's a different way to participate and power the change that power the world. Um, so I think that this is somewhat inevitable. Um, it'll be interesting, the battle with which uh, this transition happens, you know, at least the shots fired type of thing. Uh, it's always going to be um, a back and forth. It's going to be a long drawn out process. Um, but I think, like you said, Tyler, some of the some of the parties who are ready for that uh, next level of maturity and willing to play the game in a way that... Um, you know, the, the cream rises to the top sort of thing. Like if, if you want to, uh, there's an opportunity to do that through, through legislation and, and legal approval. Um, and if you make it through that, and if you go that route, um, that will be a good thriving industry. And that's, that's based on the history of the way that these things work, not just crypto, but any sort of market or um, anything that's being sold to the public, to be frank. Um, so, you know, I think that, the interesting part of this will be what is it though that thrives the most off of the regulation of this? Is it going to be the legal folks and the legal processes? Is it going to be the accounting? You know, uh, you know what what is it? And usually it's it's a follow the money type thing because following the money and protecting the people who follow the money is how you keep uh, justifying what the government is good for, and that is what we're protecting the little guy. A little bit. Yeah, well, I guess, okay, so maybe developers, but I'm, I'm, I guess I was honing in on the retail investor, right? The guy who signs up for a Coinbase account, buys Doge, and then Elon says something, buys it, and then markets tank, and they leverage their house on that kind of stuff. Like, that's no different than what people do on in penny stocks, but that's that kind of stuff is ripe for legislation in the name of protecting the little guy. But you're talking about 
You're talking about something different, Tyler. So like right, right now, some 16-year-old can figure out how options trading works and look at how the person who's coded the options trading platform coded it and look at it and be like, this doesn't make any sense. The computer doesn't even work this way. And then could go and just recode an existing platform, push out the code and go and raise a whole bunch of money as an anonymous person, right? This ends all of that. That kid can't just go out and rate. If he wants to raise money, he's got to go and create a pitch deck. He's got to go and wear a suit. He's got to go and get in front of all of these investors. He's got to get appointments. He's got to go and and show a vision. It's 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 V like we're already seeing it with some of these ICOs and IDOs. Is the VCing of the of the culture, you know? And it's like if you want to 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 develop and do your own thing, then go and get a job working as a developer for one of these other projects, pay your dues, make your connections, make your, and then go and, 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 and go through the same process that everybody else went through. You can't just go and fork code and make it a little bit better and raise $30 million and, and nobody know who you are. Like, like I think, I think that's done with, and I think that that's like what really kills innovation because like now there's no motivation for some 16 year old to make the options trading platform better. I blame this on Safeman and Shiba Inu. Mm -hmm. Wait. Okay. Uh, explain. I mean, it's basically like anybody can create their own blockchain now and, or their own, yeah, their own token or whatever. And, um, I don't think that kills it necessarily, but, it just, it really like those two projects, uh, maybe not safe moon. Maybe that was somewhat original in the sense of like having a charity tax or whatever. Um, but Shiba, you know, like that's just a clone of several other clones. Um, and it just had the best name. So <clears throat> I think that stifles a lot of innovation. Um, I, I do think like this is a proposed bill and it aspects of it will likely be finalized um whenever this bill gets finalized but i think even afterwards there's going to be this gray area um this gray period i should say of time where people just won't you know like it's one of those things like it's easier to ask for forgiveness than ask for, for, for permission and so everybody has never had to ask for permission Everybody who's in the space right now has never had to ask for permission. Um, and as it gets solidified, and you know, I think ultimately this was inevitable, um, or things like this was inevitable. Um, but yeah, at, there's going to be a period of, of time where, like, I don't think the SEC or the IRS are particularly well equipped to like track down like everybody to report taxes. Um, it might become easier over time. I, I suspect it will, you know, especially if Zcash uh, isn't like implemented or like a, a privacy platform isn't implemented um, as a base layer. But because like, you know, the distributed ledger is completely open source and public. And, and so uh, it's, 
if you have some algorithms that that can like trace transactions essentially back to the source then you can you can pretty much open up and like make this pseudonymous um platform not you know it, it would be completely transparent at that point so uh so yeah i, I do think um this was inevitable but at the same time a lot of people will not follow the rules for uh, for probably another decade yeah go, go ahead tally awesome I, I just posted a, a a tweet in the chart it it obviously scared scared somebody because uh I, somebody just posted uh this it's a chart showing the Bitcoin price versus net inflows and outflows of exchanges. Um, and yesterday, there was a lot of net outflows. So somebody bought a ton on this on this bad news, actually. Yesterday was the largest day of net outflows from exchanges since mid 2016 with exchange balances dropping by 60,000 Bitcoin yesterday. Does that include um, futures like the CME? These are, these are wallet outflows. Okay. So like, let's just say you're expecting a bunch of bad news and um, you're expecting the price to go down. You take a bunch of, Bitcoin off the exchange, off public exchanges, um, and you deposit it on the CME, and use that as collateral to short short Bitcoin. I wonder uh, if that would. I wonder if that's included in exchange balances. So I doubt it, just because it's the CME is not like public at all. Uh, it's completely private. Nobody there. There's no way they're going to tell you. Say like this is here, but you know, I could be wrong. Um, if they do have to technically transfer that amount. So, uh, that's what I was curious about. Huh. That's a good point. Yeah. I, like I, I see these charts, um, relatively frequently now. And while I think like at times directionally, they're very valuable. Um, it's there's other times where it's like you know it's not it's not complete information um it's just, so it's it's really just interesting hard. that it happened yesterday the same day that news drops mm, yeah totally it's interesting you guys wanted to uh touch on uh Helium really quick. We got just a couple of minutes. Um, but you know, one of the things that we've seen during this time period of Bitcoin kind of pulling back and stabilizing is it's kind of creeping up on dominance as well. And with that creep up on dominance, we're seeing, uh, just kind of a, a bleeding altcoin asset class. Um, and not really, maybe that's not the best term for it, but it's struggling as a whole. Um, Ro, I think you mentioned at some point to me um, within the last day or so that money's flowing into Bitcoin um, as the price of Bitcoin is rising. 
alts are relatively staying label, uh, re- relatively uh, staying stable. Um, but Bitcoin dominance, as I'm seeing right now, 46.6%. So we're increasing half a percent a day over the last few days, just an estimate. Um, but there are some projects that have their own stories. And, um, you know, I, I've definitely noticed some stuff happening um, with the Helium project kind of breaking out a little bit. Um, there's been a couple of catalysts uh, that we've had recently with validators going live, 22 or something like that percent of the entire supply being uh, staked and locked up for uh, at least five to six months. And uh, we have just a couple of days before a Bitcoin style halvening event is taking place. So um, yeah, any thoughts on price action for Helium? I know we don't have a whole lot of time, but high level thoughts and maybe we'll circle back around on another call and dig into some of the details. But what are you guys thinking about that? So one thing I've liked to start doing lately when I could looking at my bags has been comparing them all relative to each other. And so if you pull up like the Bitcoin USD chart and then you do compare helium USD, it just looks so much better. Like it just looks so much better of a structure. It's been more bullish throughout like this entire year. Um, And I mean, Honestly, it looks like it, it it's just ready to go. Um, like everybody, there's a common misconception that the price runs before the having. It runs several months before the having, like we did the run up to 20. But then it always pulls back and retests and consolidates until the having. And then after the having, it runs for months and months and months and months and months. And if helium does that, then I mean, we could be in for, for a really awesome, like end of the year. Yeah. Looking at the BTC chart, it actually looks, um, pretty solid. Uh, I'd say at this point, it's still a risky buy. Like you're not getting any um, confirmation that the downtrend's over um, on a BTC basis, like a HNT BTC basis. Um, but I, I would say the market it, it has completed its market cycle um, of seven waves is what I typically look for. Um, and so, yeah, it it especially going into the having. Um, that's a really exciting time. I think it's just really exciting to be uh, in the helium community or familiar with it at least. Um, and yeah, I think uh, I would expect some bullishness in the next month or so, um, just given how bearish of an environment we've been in up until this point. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to watch. I think I'm excited about two things. Uh, first of all, it's the first happening within this ecosystem. So um, a lot of these folks may not be as familiar with Bitcoin and the way that happenings work as, uh, as we may be just because we've been in the space a little bit longer and we've seen it happen with the original asset of Bitcoin. Um, so I am excited to see what happens. Now, uh, there's really two fronts here. There's the health of the ecosystem. And we're talking about the mining network, the equipment deployment, the incentive structure 
that exists that has made this network and this blockchain so robust um, and uh, viral. Um, and of course, we need that continued growth. Uh, then there's the other side of things, which is the financial value of the token asset. And both of these things are going to be affected by the happening. And so uh, in a simple sense, the happening event is where the available rewards pool is simply cut in half. Uh, everything else is held constant. Um, but if you were getting 10 before, because that's what you had coming your way, there's only five coming your way now. Um, and so that may seem very, very simple, but it has a, a rippling effect, which which can be predicted in a lot of ways. A lot of it can't be predicted because of the cumulative nature of ripples. Um, but one thing that, um, you know, is bound to happen uh, is that people will re respond and recover uh, to whatever, whatever happens to them. That's basically an environmental effect. When we uh, have a rainstorm, we take cover. Um, when we uh, have a forest fire, we grab all of our shit and we run, you know. Um, so whenever this thing happens, uh, the effects of that will begin to kind of unfold and we will respond as we do as humans and markets uh, and societies and groups and uh, collective mind and whatnot. And so um, let's take those two things really quickly. Um, the environment the incentive system, the hardware deployment aspect of things. Um, right now you're operating at a certain 10 to $12 price of helium. That's been fairly consistent for the last several months, um, relatively consistent over the last several months, but that level has been reliable. You know, you can $10 a helium, uh, maybe up to $20 a helium. Cool. Um, so if you're getting five or sorry, if you're getting 10 and now you're getting five, let's just say that's as simple as, okay, I was earning a hundred dollars. Now I'm earning $50. That is significant. That means all of your income just gets cut in half. That means that all of a sudden your margins get cut significantly and everybody's margins are different. There's different levels of expense that people are enduring for that profit. Um, for some people, their costs is not even close to $50. So they'll continue to earn a profit. But for some people who are operating relatively expensively compared to the rest of the group, now that they're only earning $50, it may not be worth it because their expenses may be close to or even above $50. What that what happens in a situation like that is, is you, you squeeze people out. They, they turn their machines off. They, they close their networks. They shut down. They wind down. They let the folks who are operating their nodes purchase them off of them at dirt cheap prices just to salvage some value, and they move on to, to new to, to new opportunities, and that's okay. That's a good thing. Um, and another thing that you'll have is consolidation because of that effort. So when this when the dominoes begin to fall, uh, it's going to be an interesting show to watch um, and unpredictable. It will get more and more unpredictable as we go. The other side of it, though, is the financial value of the token asset. And essentially what you're doing to that is you're cutting, you're cutting supply. You cut it, you're, you're turning off the faucet of supply. Uh, not completely, but you're slowing it down to a 50% trickle compared to what it was before. But you're keeping everything else the same and thereby potentially artificially stimulating demand. Um, because now people can't earn it as easily. They got to go buy it. It's easier to go buy it 
in this temporary uh, in, in this temporary flux situation until it all settles and it all equalizes. And if those two aspects, the network growth, hardware deployment side of things, and the financial value of the token asset, if they do find equilibrium, you know, relatively uh, quickly, you're going to have um, a nice, acceptable, reasonable slowdown of network growth, and you're going to have a nice reasonable, acceptable ramp up of the price of H and T. I don't, I don't see it happening that in a, in a nice little tango dance like that. I see it being a little bit more volatile. I see um, a situation that unfolds. And like I said, I don't know the order these things are really unpredictable, but uh, you're going to see a, a pendulum swing rapidly back and forth. And uh, you know, the multiple forces trying to correct and overcorrect. Um, until we do find stability, uh, you will probably see shockwave. This is my opinion now. You'll probably see shockwaves go throughout the helium ecosystem as um, you know an opportunistic, ambitious, but somewhat naive group of crypt crypto uh, participants uh, get shook uh, by the forces of the natural environment, which is much greater than uh, you know the sum of all of the things that we're doing here on Earth, so to speak, and. When that happens, you'll see people react in ways that um, that you know that for the first time in a long time, people will be operating not with confidence. Um, so you know, when you look at your operation, you realize, oh, I'm in the hole. I've got more expenses every month that I've got to pay on based on my commitments than what I can earn because the, the amount I'm earning just went down. You know, pile that on with a bunch of other hotspots coming online. It's going to be a, a a pretty discouraging time for growing the network. Um, that consolidation doesn't happen overnight. That takes time. A lot of that will be hostile consolidation. A lot of that will be allowing people to bleed out until they, you know, join forces and, and things like that. Um, the whole time you have a completely different, uh, front taking place when it comes to, uh, financial, uh, financial markets. People are looking, will look at, uh, a lot of the node operators who are giving up and saying we can't operate or profit anymore, losing faith in the value of the asset, saying, well, look, if, they, if they're not going to continue to build the network because the incentives aren't there, this thing will fizzle. Let me sell my HNT. Uh, on the flip side, you'll have people that are committing to um, see through these tough times and are doing things like contributing their HNT towards validators uh, for the long run. So I think a lot of price instability. I could see us even crashing based on uh, dissent that comes out of the, the ecosystem. Um, but I could also see that being a tremendous opportunity for people uh, who understand that the, the long-term value of Helium lies not just in the deployment of the current network right now. So, um, you know, I know that was kind of a long spiel, but um, we, we're, we're going to be watching this pretty closely. And I think that Probably, you know, some of our calls will spend a little bit more time on the Helium network because it's a little bit more important to us as a larger project that we're invested in, as well as just a very, very interesting time that we have an interesting uh, amount of insight in on an event that really does happen a lot across the crypto landscape, which is happenings and, you know, the effects and the outcomes of those sorts of things. So. Yeah, guys, any thoughts on any of that stuff? Any happening stuff as it relates to helium, things that you guys are looking for before we wrap it up? I think with I think with helium being 
so low cost that this first having it is like I think I think this first having it may not shake as much as as futures will. I think the real thing is going to be like upsets going to be like when they start adding more protocols in, like and they add in multiple layers that start taking rewards away on top of the having to where it's like you're already getting your rewards reduced by the hot spots and you know you, you you're, you're you're mentally around that like the hot the having you knew that was coming but that chaos that that not knowing how what what's going to affect you and i could see that event like what you're talking about about people getting upset and selling their helium and like when 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 another network gets layered in, I think that that's really just going to be like, I think that's going to cause the like, instead of being really bullish, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to cause negative price movement and after it happens. But yeah, I think I think what you said, I think what you said is right. Um, I just like it's going to be interesting to see how it affects helium because it's such a low cost to mine compared to other cryptocurrencies. Yeah, it could be potentially a lot more volatile because you've got um, an easier to entry participation system here. Mm -hmm. um, they, they literally sold miners to 12 year old kids all across the world and uh, told them they could do it themselves and they weren't lying. You know, so it's a it's a unique system. Ro, any final thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think just like with the exception of a few dedicated mining companies, specifically for the helium network, um, you know, your casual retail user uh, or retail miner of the network really didn't put down too much capital, and so I don't expect just a uh, you know, and, and like the cost to run mining is so cheap. Um, that I don't anticipate huge uh, difficulty adjustments just in the net network. Um, and I think supply is still going to continue increasing worldwide for the network. Um, so yeah, I think the the safety and the reason why like you mine in a decentralized way is, is still going to be intact. Um, but yeah, I'm just really curious about how price is going to react in this environment. And it seems like given the shift in in mindset of the market, um, I, I could see some fireworks. Um, and, and it's not like helium's underground anymore. You know, helium had an amazing run up and it's, I think, top 100 now. Um, so it's, it's not like just... Um, not like out of the blue anymore so so we could see some some fireworks potentially yeah no it's uh super super cool to be in this position to be able to kind of watch from the front row and, and to participate as well and so we'll be we'll be kind of sharing our insight um as we meet and kind of discussing and seeing how how we're doing and how we're navigating the waters as we go but uh cool good good call guys Appreciate it. Great insight as always. And uh, we'll be back around next week. We'll change it up a little bit as we always do. And uh, to the moon, baby. To the moon.